With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. We are here to talk about the trade deadline and break down the film from the Ravens' win over the Arizona Cardinals. So, Garrett, you know, we've all been talking a lot about are the Ravens going to make a deal? You know, who could they get? All this stuff. It's been it's been all the bus, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of dominated uh, the narrative since the win in Arizona. In the end, the Ravens don't make a move. Are you surprised or what? I think relatively surprised. I mean, I think that, like, we've just grown accustomed to seeing trade deadline fireworks from Eric DaCosta. That's just what it's we, we're used to now. He's kind of spoiled us. It's yeah. like, all right. Well, three of his first four years as GM, deadline deals. You pulled a rabbit out of your hat with um, Roquan Smith and Marcus Peters. Yannick Ngakwe. Yannick, Yannick Ngakwe. So what do you got for us this year? We're spoiled. All right. All right. <laughs> um, and so I, I thought it was telling when John Harbaugh made the point in his press conference on Monday, it's hard to make a trade. Mm-hmm. And he had just walked out of a conversation with Eric DaCosta. They were talking about trades and scenarios. And that line struck me a little bit that, like, mm-hmm. maybe they were trying to wheel and deal and it takes two to tango and they just couldn't find the right partner to work a deal. Well, there's contract, yeah. uh, you know, implications. You know, do you have to rework somebody's deal? Do you have to find an extension? What do you, what do, you do there? Are there incentives, you know, uh, conditional kind of things as part of the trade if they place a certain amount or go to the Pro Bowl. There can be all kinds of different layers to all this. I think for the Ravens, a lot of it comes down to A, they like their team. Right. They have a really good team. As is. So any trade was going to be supplemental. Yep. Right? They didn't have any dire need. Now, even you go back to last year, I wasn't sitting there saying inside linebacker, they have a gaping hole there, mm-hmm. you know, but Roquan Smith, once they got Roquan Smith, you're like, yeah, you know what? Actually, they kind of did need that. That, yeah. that was, that really took the defense to another level. I didn't really see a spot on this roster. And, you know, we talked about running back. They could upgrade there. You can always have more pass rushers, all that stuff, but there wasn't a, a dire need anywhere. I do agree with that statement. Yeah, well, I mean, the Ravens have the best record, the tie for the best record in the AFC. So right. it's not like they're sitting here saying like, oh man, we are in a tough spot here. You know, I think it's just about putting you over the hump. Like, basically, do you feel like there's a player that could put you over the hump? To me, it comes down to three things. One, that they really like their team. Yep. And they feel good about it. That's number one. Two, I think it's hard to make a trade. I think teams are hesitant to trade away star players. Mm -hmm. Like, you just... You don't like that. Like, you don't want to be in a position where you're trading away your star players, the face of your franchise. Like, teams don't want to do that. GMs right. don't want to do that. Yeah, the, the Bears probably watching Roquan Smith, you know, be one of the best defenders in the league. I'm going to guess that Ryan Poles doesn't exactly love seeing that on the right. other side. 
right. being the guy that traded away Roquan. And, you know, and like, of course, like the, the rumors and the reports that were out there were basically with the Ravens trying to get like Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley. Both those guys have been like faces of those franchises right. for a long time. Right. So like, th- that's tough to make that kind of move. And then I think the third thing is, as much as we've grown accustomed to these trade deadline moves, Eric DaCosta has always maintained his belief in the the foundation of a team is built through the draft. Mm -hmm. He hasn't wavered in that. He's been consistent in believing that the draft is still the lifeblood of an organization, and it probably takes on even greater importance when you have a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, on a long-term deal. That's what I was going to say. I mean, the Ravens didn't have a ton of cap space going into the trade deadline. Now, they could have freed up more. I don't know that... Cap considerations were part of it. But I think long-term, kind of to what you're speaking about, is they have Lamar Jackson on a long-term deal now. He's going to eat up a big part of the salary. You need good, cheap, quote-unquote, players coming mm-hmm. in. And you need that pipeline to ca- to stay as competitive as the Ravens have, especially with Lamar now on his extension. And so you don't want to be trading away those picks like they're candy. You know, you're, you're not giving that out like they're Snickers at your front door on Halloween, <laughs> right? You're just tossing them out willy-nilly. Draft picks aren't candy, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that that was part of the thinking for the Ravens, especially, too, when you have so many good young players who are going into who are in contract years, who you'd like to retain some of them at least, yeah. You know, you have Matabike, Patrick Queen, Geno Stone now. You know, and there's more guys who I think the Ravens would like to keep around. And so to go out there and make a trade for somebody that could potentially be beyond a rental, right? How much are you going to give up just for a rental? And are you willing to give up what it's going to take for a to get a guy who could be something more than a rental. But if he's more than a rental, then you're saying no to some of the guys already mm-hmm. in your building. Well, like Roquan Smith last year, when the second round pick was announced, you're kind of like, ooh, like that is a bit pricey for a rental, knowing right. how much the Ravens cover picks. Yep. But then when you consider, well, actually it's not a rental. You know, the potential is there to work out. The hope is there to work out the mm-hmm. long-term deal. So you would think it's something similar. Now, if it's just a rental, then you would think the pick value would be lower. But then is the team going to give up a star player for a mid round pick. Right. That's they're less likely to do that. And again, that comes back to the point where it's, it's hard to make trades. I heard a rumor and mm. you can tell me if this is correct. You love swimming in the rumor waters, huh? That I heard a rumor that the reason DaCosta didn't make a trade is because, Oh, this is going to be something silly. You went to him I and knew. said, you have, <laughs> <laughs> you went to him and said, it's Halloween. I got trick or treat plans tonight. Oh, that's- if you make the move, then I'm going to be sitting here writing an article. We're going to be doing an emergency podcast. Trick or treat's going to be put on pause. Mm-hmm. And so you said, as much as I would love some of these moves that are being, you know, floated out there mm-hmm. on social media, do me a solid and don't make the move. Look, that wasn't voice, but it was definitely felt. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got it was kid, implied. I got twenty some kids coming to my house for a pizza party <laughs> before trick or treating it from my house today. Okay, we got we got to make this little snap if we're yeah. going to make a deal. Let's yeah, make said, it. Basically, the deadline's at four, but your deadline, Eric, is around lunchtime. Exactly. <laughs> I, I got to get ready for trick or treat. I got to get my costume. I got to do all these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, look, I think that. Is whenever there's names like Derrick Henry floated out there and mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley and stuff, you get excited, uh, you know. And I think even you and I just we don't know what's going to happen. We're sitting there talking in the lounge about what do you think? You yeah. think they're going to do it? You know, and, and it's exciting the prospect of thinking about those guys. But it, it doesn't always come to fruition, and I don't feel like 
you know, bummed right now that like, oh man, like what, what the heck? Like, you know what? Gus Edwards just ran for three touchdowns and 80 yards. Yep. I'm feeling pretty good about the running back situation now. You know, knock on the wooden football. Um, but I, I, I like this team. To quote Buck Showalter and now John Harbaugh, I like our guys. Yeah, totally. I agree. I'm with you. So you, we like we like this team, like the guys, and we're going to dive into some of the tape from the win over Arizona and yeah. talk about those guys. Yeah, so I thought the big takeaway for me, just looking offense and defense, was that the Ravens pivoted. Right, they kind of shifted gears in this game on both sides of the ball, and, and that made a big difference. You know, here they are; they're late in the second quarter. It's a seven-seven game against a one-win team. Right, I think it was a lot closer game than we all thought it was going to be, and they shifted gears. So let's let's first talk offensively. You know, it was a little bit of a struggle early on. Yeah, yeah. They marched down, get a touchdown on their opening drive. The Ravens do with some miraculous plays by Lamar Jackson, which we'll talk about. But I first want to talk about what the Cardinals were doing on tape that kind of threw the offense off kilter a little bit that we were all so excited about coming out of that Lions game. Well, when we did the post post game pod Sunday yep. night, you know, we talked a little bit about this in the sense kind of right then was like, Oh, well the Cardinals were dropping a bunch of guys in coverage and yep. that was a challenge when you went back and looked at it is that was confirmed. Okay. Yeah. I think that they were, they really wanted to cloud the picture for Lamar Jackson, make tighter throwing windows. It was, you know, it was a good combination <clears throat> of zone and man coverage. But when you break down the numbers, they had three or fewer rushers on 20% of the Ravens dropbacks, right? The Ravens didn't do that at all. They had zero percent of them, mm-hmm. right? They brought four or more every time, so you saw that the Cardinals were bringing a little f- less pressure on Lamar Jackson and saying, "All right, we're going to make tighter windows for you to throw in," and that led to more incompletions and and just yeah, Lamar holding the ball, taking some more sacks. He took four sacks when you saw that there wasn't a op- some of his initial reads were not open. He didn't hit the check down early enough or didn't see the check down or whatever and ended up taking sacks. Yeah. And then that kind of led to just in the first half, it just was kind of sputtering. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, even that first drive that you mentioned, and I think it'd be, you know, t- nice to kind of get into that one. But like on that opening drive, like the, first of all, you're kind of sitting there shocked a little bit because the Cardinals take that early lead. And then, and then there's that play with, where Lamar throws it up and Bateman flies out of nowhere. You're like, is this thing going to get picked? Mm-hmm. And then obviously they end up marching down and getting the touchdown there. So like there were some bright plays on that drive, but like it just, it didn't feel like smooth. It didn't feel yeah. like, oh, okay, boom, boom, boom. You're marching down the field, seven yards here, <laughs> you're 15 yards there. Yes. A few of those. Yeah! I mean, the Bateman, the Bateman catch in particular, that was one where it was just like, oh, well, there he is. Okay, nice. Great play. Great play. Well, the other one was Lamar Jackson's run out and flip it to Gus Edwards. <laughs> yeah. You know, the kind of, uh, I don't even know what you call that, just a little shuffle pass yeah. when there's nine Arizona Cardinals defenders <laughs> all around Gus. He did it very casually. He did it. And, and part of that is that's the yin and the yang of Lamar Jackson, right? That's Lamar magic. You see him make that kind of play and you're kind of cringing a little bit. And then you're like, wow, that was mm-hmm. awesome. And that's what you get from Lamar Jackson. And to point to one other example of that, the touchdown pass. I mean, here's Lamar in the pocket. Ronnie Stanley's pushed right into him, sweeps his front leg. Lamar's one leg in it, and he throws a touchdown pass to Mark Andrews in the back of the end zone. That's, yeah. that's I don't know how many quarterbacks can do that. Lamar Jackson's one of one. If Patrick Mahomes does that, the NFL at <laughs> world probably explodes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and um, but it 
that was an incredible play. It was incredible. And, like, he has the hand in his face. He has the... I mean, it looks just cool, right? It's yeah. just like, it looks smooth. I saw somebody post online, they were like, put the, this is the new NFL logo, yeah. you know, like the MJ. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. This. this is the new one with, Laura with his leg up throwing the pass. He's got the leg up, and then he just zips it around the guy with the sidearm throw, and like, it hit Mark Andrews. It could not have been placed any better. Yeah. Like, all that chaos kind of going on in front of him. On one leg, it was just a flick of the wrist. Like it just was a beautiful pass. Yeah. And like I've said multiple times over the course of this year, like Lamar has had a number of throws throughout the season that just make you say wow because For they're sure. just so incredible. And this is one of them. I don't think I realized at the time all that was going on. Like when he made that throw, it just kind of looked like when I was when you're watching it, it, just looked like a nice play. It looked like you know a red zone touchdown pass. But when you look at that angle, the back angle, and you can and see you slow it down. When you see he's getting stepped on, it was remarkable. It was a leg sweep. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, very remarkable. One thing about Lamar that I think we've all seen these amazing eye popping plays from Lamar over his career. Most of the time, though, it was running. Yeah. This year, yeah. it's been passing. Yes. Eye poppers throwing the ball. Yeah. Which is a change. And uh, that was one of them. What hasn't changed is, in, is the connection between Lamar Jackson <laughs> and Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. And you see on that end zone, look, again, you see Mark just break off his route, point to the other way. He says, I'm going, I'm going back this way. Yeah. Changes his route to break wide open for the touchdown. That's not how they drew it up. I mean, Zay Flowers almost ran into him. Mm-hmm. It, that was not how it's drawn up. But I think that Mark Andrews still has... Uh, the green light, I don't know how often. Maybe we'll have to ask him when we have him on the lounge yeah. later this week. Yeah. How often he gets call the green light. call that a light. teaser. Yeah, that's a teaser, folks. Uh, you know, on that, he certainly had the green light to freelance a little bit and clearly did for the touchdown. Well, he's had, with this, the level of success that he's had, you, you kind of get more of that, that green light in those type of situations. And the connection that he and Lamar have. It's not just that, yeah, Mark's had a lot of success in this league. Those two clearly have chemistry great chemistry and when you're Todd Monk and maybe it hasn't operated that way in the past for you and your tight ends it's more let's run this the way it's designed but when you come in that's what we all talked about with Todd Monk and when he came in here is he adapts to his players adapts adapts to his personnel and I think that we're seeing that and maybe that's part of the reason why Mark has had a few really good games recent in recent weeks is he's doing more of that Mark is one touchdown away from tying Todd Heap for the Ravens franchise record in receiving touchdowns. So that could happen. That could happen Sunday at the bank. He could surpass him. He could surpass him. I'm not surpass talking him. about tying. <laughs> You're talking about right. You're talking about breaking. Yes. You're talking about breaking. Yeah. Exactly. So that would be very cool. One thing I want to talk about with the offense is the wide receiver situation right now. And, yeah. and we're seeing uh, some shifts being made kind of say flowers look has been the top targeted guy all season long. That hasn't changed. Now he did have his uh, consecutive game streak of 50 scrimmage yards snapped mm-hmm. in this game. Just never really got loose for a long one. Um, but I think we are seeing the emergence of Rashad Bateman in this wide receiver core more some, some really good plays from him. I'm excited about Bateman. And I think a, a few weeks ago, it just seemed like he just seemed to not really have like a ton of confidence. It just seemed that way watching him on the field. Now, I don't think in John Harbaugh, I asked him about that this week and, and 
about Bateman's emergence. And someone followed up about a question about his confidence. And he pointed out, like, it was never a question, confidence, a lack of confidence and ability. It was a lack of, mm-hmm. it was more about getting confident in your physical ability. Yeah, I think he's coming off the foot injury. But, yes. Then he had the hamstring. And he's in a situation now where it's very different from a year ago when he was the clear number one. Mm-hmm. You're number three in the pecking order, really. Two, three, let's say. And so that I think is is a mental adjustment for a player like him who has a lot of belief in his ability and I think you are left wondering where do I where do I fit in you're not getting a whole lot of targets per game you're not getting a huge snap share you're not playing 100% of the snaps or close to it that's an adjustment for Rashad Bateman and to his credit I think now especially with him getting healthy and making some plays that's really big for him we saw it last week the couple of catches over the middle I think were kind of a jump starter for him and we saw that carry over into this game yeah and like just the health piece like let's not overlook like this Liz Frank injury is a major injury like for this sure. takes a long time to come back from then he came back he he was ready by week one then you come back and then he dealt with a hamstring mm-hmm. and so the, you add the hamstring on top of the Liz Frank which sometimes you can you can see that you know all of a sudden a guy comes back but then something else starts to ail them mm-hmm. so that's kind of what happened here he gets continues to get healthy and Hollywood Brown talked about like the list Frank for years I mean he's mm-hmm. basically said it bothered him for Jimmy Smith talked about the list Frank for years yeah so we're now we're like a year out for Rashad from having that injury so now like he's just going to continue to get healthier and healthier with that foot he gets healthier removed from the hamstring he's playing with more juice and then like now you have confidence and you have more confidence in your health and you can go out there and make plays and like it, this was big Harbaugh said like when I asked him about it like he feels like the second half of the season is going to be big for him yep and you talk about more juice I think you saw that on the jet sweep yes. that he took for uh, a long game you saw him turn on the, the after boosters on that one got up near 19 miles per hour uh, uh, which he can go faster than that, but it was cool to see him kind of shift into another gear on that jet sweep. And cool for the Ravens just to have another jet sweep guy. You already have Zay Flowers, yeah. who people have to respect that way. Devin DuVernay has done it over his career, not a ton this year, but some. And now you have Rashad Bateman, who you see the wheels on him. All right, here's another threat that opposing defenses have to worry about. Yeah, I was a little surprised when they gave it to him there because it's just like you haven't seen it. I think the Cardinals it. were too. Yeah, and that's and then and then <laughs> to add on top of that, you know, they got the late penalty, so it was yep. like ended up being a huge play for that team. Yeah, the other wide receiver I want to talk about obviously is Odell Beckham Jr. didn't have a catch. He didn't have a catch in the. It's the first game of his career that he's played the whole game. He wasn't injured that he did not have a catch. First mm-hmm. game of his career, mm-hmm. and so. Obviously, we saw the frustration from him after the touchdown penalty. And and look, Odell Beckham Jr. contributed to the offense and to the success on Sunday. Drew two long pass interference calls, drew a third penalty on a holding call. Uh, and, you know, those set up Ravens points, right? But... Odell Beckham wants those to be catches. Of course. Getting a flag is fine, all that stuff, but that man wants to make some catches. What do you make of the Odell situation? I think that... I think that there's a lot of levels to it. I do think that defenses and defensive backs in particular really get up to go up against Odell. Mm -hmm. I think that, like, this is a guy that has been one of the, yeah, iconic players in the league over the last decade. And so when you're going up against Odell, like, even at this stage of his career, you still feel like this is a big matchup. I mean, I remember when um, Jimmy Smith called... It, the both of them have shared the story, but before Marlon Marlon Humphrey was going to shadow 
Odell for a game. Jimmy called him like the game the night before and was just like, this is big for you. Like you're going up against Odell Beckham. You're following him all over the field tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that was when Odell was on the Browns. And so I think that like that type of respect is still what he garners from opposing teams. Mm -hmm. So I think that I say all that to say, I think defenses really get up to play against him. And I think that defensive backs, like they want to get physical with him. They want to try to frustrate him. They want to try to, they're all over him. They're all over him. They don't want to give up an inch. And so, and all, that's why we're seeing a lot of penalties. So the, they interfere with him a lot. I mean, yeah. they, they they have these penalties because they're like draped all over him because they don't want to give up a big play to him. They don't want to be the next guy on that iconic highlight reel. Yeah. And so I think that that's part of it. He's an emotional player who wants the ball. And he like the road for, and then the, the, the other part is like the road for him has been long. He didn't play at all last year. He goes down in the Super Bowl when he was having a great start to that game. And then he's got to work his way all the way back, goes to a new team. Everything's going great. And now he like wants to make plays and like he hasn't gotten the end zone yet. And he wants to. He wants to help this team. And so I think that like when you see him throw his helmet on the sidelines, I think it's just just a sign of frustration because he's like, I know I can do this and I just want to go out there and make that play. I think it's pretty clear that the Ravens are trying to make that happen. Yeah, totally. They're trying to get him the ball. Lamar Jackson said as much after the game, said, I, I want to get that guy a touchdown. And I, I think that everybody's kind of feeling that to some degree on this team right now. That an Odell Beckham breakout would really do wonders for this offense. Yeah. Well, and like that's, you know, it's a couple of weeks ago. It's like, it was, uh, you know, it, it seemed like the Rashad Bateman was kind of struggling a little bit. Now he comes back, kind of gets jump started against the Lions, and then comes up with some big plays in this game. I, I could see that, like, I, I would not rule out sometime in the near future having the Odell game where he gets multiple catches and gets in the end zone. Like, mm-hmm. oh, for the, sure. the, fi- the five, the, the five catch for, you know, hundred yards and a touchdown, like that could happen. That game could happen. Like that would be like a big game for him, mm-hmm. uh, based on what we've seen this year. But like, absolutely, that could happen. And like, if you take away the inter- can we just add up the interference yards? How many interference yards <laughs> has he had this year? I think Tyreek Hill has said that he wishes that those counted as receiving yards. I'm sure Odell does too. Yeah, for sure. The last thing I want to talk about is the Ravens running game, which really got cranked up in the second half. And and this is what I was talking about when I said the Ravens made adjustments, right? They were throwing the ball 70% of the time in the first half. And I think they came out of halftime saying, we need to run the ball. Mm-hmm. They're getting lighter boxes, which you don't usually see against yep. the Ravens. And so they said, all right, let's ground and pound this thing. And I was really impressed by the blocking in particular of the interior offensive line. I thought Tyler Linderbaum, John Simpson, and Kevin Zeitler had some of their best games of the year. Well, it's like, I think the fact that the Ravens were giving, or the the Cardinals were giving the Ravens light boxes, speaks to basically the respect that Mm -hmm. they're giving Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. Like, in the past, it would be like load up at the line of scrimmage. And so they're giving him lighter boxes. And then you have those three guys in the middle that can just feast. Like, I, I like what I'm seeing from those three players in particular. And, I mean, it seemed like they had maybe their best game. Yeah, I think so, for sure. Certainly, I think John Simpson, his physicality continues to show. He tossed one guy like (laughs) he was a bouncer at the club, just (laughs) threw him out. And then you see the work that Tyler Linderbaum and Kevin Zeitler on double teams are doing. Uh, Linderbaum just continues to grow in his second year. And Kevin Zeitler, the vet, I mean, he knew... Right, He knew the Cardinals were the only team he hadn't beaten in his NFL career. Had to get that done. Had, I think, his best game of the year. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we spent time off the top talking about the trade deadline. And, and the, the position that I would say was most discussed was running back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gus Edwards had three touchdowns mm-hmm. on Sunday. 
friend of the lounge, Cole Jackson, did a breakdown on him on his uh, Road Graders uh, film breakdowns. Yep. And he talked about you know whether whether the Ravens basically needed to make an upgrade at running back. You know, and and he pointed out some really some really good things but the main thing like we know Gus is physical like okay th- th- we've That's seen nothing that new. nothing new but he also has showed really nice vision in this game and, and uh, Cole did a nice job breaking that down in his uh, video breakdown but I think that like part of the reason again that the Ravens didn't make a move is they feel confident in the guys they have and Gus being chief among them like I feel good about Gus being the, the bell cow down the stretch here in the second half of the season like he can handle that workload and I think he showed that on Sunday yep I agree now let's take a break and we'll jump into defensive film. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. All right, listeners, we are coming to you from the SeatGeek studio. We appreciate you listening to the Lounge Podcast. We also want our listeners to know that this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the Baltimore Ravens, has a limited time offer you don't want to miss. Here's what you need to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the promo code FLOCK. If you're a new customer, you can get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code Flock. Please play responsibly and for help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. you got to be 21 or older to play and physically present in Maryland. All right, I'm surprised you let me do this one, Garrett, All right, because you're a big <laughs> wine guy. All right, where does the thrill of football meet the elegance of fine wine? Winning Drive Napa Valley, the exclusive wine club of the Baltimore Ravens. This holiday season, give the gift of premium Napa Valley wines. And the best part, all right, Garrett? Starting November 1st, enjoy up to $35 off with tiered discounts. Elevate your celebrations with a touch of Raven's spirit. Visit winningdrivenapa.com today and make this season a winning one. All right, so... I'll wait for that gift. Okay. I'm going to stand by <laughs> and wait for that gift. But we we'll wait a while. <laughs> on the defensive side of the ball, um, I think we probably need to start with the guys in the trenches, right? I mean, we have to. Yep. Totally. And, and this back to my original point that I thought the Ravens did a good job of adjusting at halftime. I thought that coming out of the, of the first half, they needed to stop the run better. There's no doubt. There's too many runs just free runners through the Ravens defensive line. Now I think the Cardinals were breaking tendency a lot in their run game. 
they played well. Yeah, they had a lot of they had a lot of muscle on the front of that offensive line, and I thought that they just had a good game running the ball. They, like I said, broke Tennessee. They were doing things differently than they had in previous weeks. I think the Cardinals looked at this game as. I don't want to say they're Super Bowl, but this is a big game. This is a statement game for them. Kind of the old kitchen sink game? Kind of, yeah. I think that they saw a Ravens team coming off, flying high after the big win against the Lions. Everybody's talking about, are the Ravens the best team in the NFL? Blah, 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 blah. And they're coming into our house. Mm -hmm. And here you have Jonathan Gannon, a defensive coach. His defense is ranked 28th in the league. That can't be sitting well with him. Yeah. He was the DC of the Eagles last year. And I think that he, they put together a, a pretty unique game plan for the Ravens. And I, th- the players were playing with their hair on fire. Yeah, I thought that they were just playing really hard. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I, I just felt like throughout that entire game, like they showed a lot of fight. Like they never yep. lay down, even when it was pretty clear that like this game is probably in hand. Like yep. it probably is in hand, and they just. As I said in the post-game show on Sunday, like the game felt like it would just not end. It felt like the fourth quarter yep. lasted for three hours because they, they just kept they, they kept trying to make it a game. Yep. So e- even though the Cardinals are a one-win team, I think you have to tip your cap sometimes. That they played well. It wasn't just that they played physically and, and that they played hard and all that stuff. I thought they executed well. They played well. Mm-hmm. And they had some unique scheme stuff. And so part of that was in the run game for the Cardinals. And they got the Ravens early in this game. The Ravens still made some splash plays. Michael Pierce, a couple fourth down stops and all that stuff kind of helped stop the bleeding. And then in the second half, I think you saw the defensive line and the linebackers get on the same page and really start to take over. For me, Michael Pierce got a lot of ink and he deserves it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the physicality that he played with, the knockback that he got, the, the pass rush moves that he's showing... Pretty incredible for a nose tackle. It was his highest graded pro football focus game since his rookie year. Yeah. And so he had a great game, but it wasn't just him. But wait, hold on. Before you move on, okay, we got an email Yeah. from uh, Naledi yeah. who said just the subject line was dog. I mean. And the, the email says, it's Michael Pierce. That's the email. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, I guess we're going to do this. We're I'm just let, saying, like, you're talking, the, you're talking about the, the, the dog bag. of the week. <laughs> you're talking about him. I'm like, you were trying right, to move let's on. Just take a pause. Yes, you are right, emailer. <laughs> the dog, the dog's dog. <laughs> Michael Pierce gets it this week yeah. for sure. Yeah, as always, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Send us uh, your suggestions or your questions always, but your suggestions yeah. for dog of the week. We always enjoy those. Um, so I sorry I cut you off. I could see that you were you were no, wanting no. to spread the wealth, you yep. know, in terms of the compliments that you're that you're doling out. But I was like, before we move on from from big, let's Michael recognize Pierce, the big dog. Let's recognize the big dog there in the middle who had a, a huge impact. Oh, on it was the an all timer game for him. Yeah, Michael Pierce. It was ridiculous. Yeah, um, but it wasn't just him. I think as you saw this game go on too, you saw Travis Jones making some plays. You saw Justin Matabike making plays. I thought Travis Jones had one of his better games yet of his career. Second year defensive tackle. The physicality that he plays with, getting skinny sometimes. I thought that he had a really strong game as well, especially in the second half. Well, Michael or uh, Justin Matabike had a sack, had another sack taken off the board. Yep. 
you know, by a defensive pass interference or a defensive illegal contact, illegal mm-hmm. contact call that on was, Kyle Hamilton on the opening drive would have been a sack on third down. That would have been forced the three and out and kind of set the tone. Instead, the Cardinals end up driving all the way down the field. When you look back at that on the film, ticky tacky, basically the tight end runs right into Kyle Hamilton. There was contact, but it looked to me like the tight end initiated that contact. I would agree with he that. He ran right into him, took a sack off the board. So that was kind of disappointing. But Pierce had, I keep saying Pierce, Matt Abike had a sack and six pressures on 23 pass rush attempts. So he continues to be a force as a pass rusher this year. Yeah. Again, his combination of power and moves. I think that we're seeing across the board, Chuck Smith, you know, he's the outside linebackers coach, but he's not just working with the outside linebackers. He's working with everybody on their pass rush moves. And I am seeing that pay off. You're seeing just more top notch pass rush moves from even these interior defensive linemen. Justin Matabike put one guy in the spin cycle. Just ridiculous move. Uh, Michael Pierce with a swipe of the hands. You're just seeing the evolution of the Ravens' pass rush game. Well, if you at one point when Matabike got a sack, he pointed over to the sidelines, and it was it couldn't really tell who he was pointing at. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, it could, but it could have been Chuck, Chuck Smith, who actually had a relationship with prior even to Chuck joining yep. the coaching staff here. I don't know if that's who he was pointing at or a teammate or whatever, but um, I, I, I definitely think Chuck Smith is his impact on these pass rushers is evident and you know i also give credit to anthony weaver who i think is a great d-line coach for sure absolutely for the defense it was a lot of it was splash plays it wasn't an overall domination and they gave up more yards than they would have liked now john harbaugh said they basically (laughs) played the same defensive call for like 15 straight plays down the stretch yeah they had a big lead they weren't going to show anything this went vanilla It, it was vanilla Exactly. And now, of course, the Ravens have pride and they don't want to give up any points and, and yards even given that, right? They want to remain the number one defense in the league. Even if it's vanilla ice cream, you want it to be the best vanilla ice cream. You get a little fudge on top. <laughs> no, there was no fudge. That's what I'm saying. There was, it, was, it was just well, plain vanilla. What, that's what you want. I'm saying if, even, if you, even if you got the vanilla What scoop, about sprinkles? You put sprinkles, the fudge, Cherry? that's what they wanted on top, even Whipped though they, it's vanilla at its base, right? <laughs> How many more ice cream analogies can we get in here? (laughs) Um, But, you know, the splash plays were what made the difference. Obviously, the two interceptions were game-changing plays. And just to talk about those briefly, one thing I saw on the tape on Brandon Stevens' interception, which, are you willing to admit, Garrett, was a tough catch. Days Uh, later, after watching on film, what do you see in here, Garrett? I I think it was a... uh, it was a good catch. It was a good catch. I think it was. I think it was a nice play. It was a great play by on him. On a scale of one to ten, how tough was the catch? I'll give it a uh, six. Wow! I'll give it a six. I'm gonna go seven. <laughs> you I'm going seven. one point higher. You're low. Bryson's giving it a seven too. Okay, I like it. Thanks, All right, I'll Bryson. give it seven point one. It's about time you back me up one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but one thing I did not realize on that play was the pressure from Patrick Queen right in Joshua Dobbs' face. <laughs> you know, uh, Ross Tucker was going on and on on the broadcast about how bad a throw that was. Well, there was a reason. Yeah. Patrick Queen brought the heat and caused the high throw there, which led to the Brandon Stevens interception with a seven-point ranking <laughs> on the catch. <laughs> well, I, I, look, I think even more difficult was the Geno Stone interception. Okay? 
I'll give that one a higher degree of difficulty. Now he ended up just basically he stole from his teammate. You get you get knocked a couple points knocked off by stealing it from your teammate. Yeah, what would have been an easier interception was had Gino not gotten in the way because Brandon Stevens was just lining that one up. Yep. I mean, he had that one right in his sights, had his hands out there ready and everything. He stole money from that man. <laughs> he stole money from that man. But but on that play, Gino basically is in zone coverage and he's basically following the tight end. Yeah. Well, he's in zone coverage and then he does a really good job. I mean, he completely turns his back to the play right. to pick up the the man that he's going to then pick up in zone coverage and and shadows Trey McBride and just undercuts it. it really good play. I mean, the, you talk about turn your back completely yeah. and then relocating the ball. That's like Ed Reed stuff. It did. I mean, it was such a natural play. And like, what just struck me is that like, it, it almost seemed like he had like truly eyes in the back of his head. He's running away from the quarterback with like his back to the football, like you mentioned, and then he turns his head at the perfect time and goes up and just snags the, the interception right in front of Brandon Stevens' face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible. The Geno Stones story, his season leading the league now with five interceptions. It's just an incredible story for that guy who, like I said before, did not even grow up imagining he would ever be in this position. And so... It's not. It's not. All, it's not by fluke, right? I mean, that's just a good play. Yeah. To your point, that's good safety play, and you got to give the props to Gino. Yeah, I agree. I feel bad for him because every time the guy makes an interception, he gets clowned on. I know. Way. It's like I, at a certain it's point, like, it's like, why didn't you return that for a pick six? Yeah. Well, you know, why didn't you cut back? Why didn't you do this? Why'd you steal it from your team? <laughs> I know. I, I thought that too. It's like every time this guy's leading the NFL in interceptions, like that should be the retort right there. It's like, uh, well, you know what, guys, like. Uh, I may not do what you want once I get the ball in my hands, but at least I'm getting the ball in my hands more right. than anybody else in the NFL. So he's getting dunked on by Stevens. <laughs> the league interceptions. Yeah, I know. The, jo- the joke kind of grows stale when he just keeps coming up with them every single week. It's like, <laughs> all right, you guys need to find a new new line here. Right. New, new, criticize, new way to criticize me. For sure, for sure. So, uh, as always, make sure you email us at thelounge at ravens.nfl.net. Uh, We will have, as we said, Mark Andrews on the podcast coming up this week. The Ravens are hopeful that they're going to get some guys back from injuries, going into a big game against the Seattle Seahawks, who just made a big-time acquisition, talking about the trade deadline. Yeah, They They brought in defensive tackle Leonard Williams, who is... That dude's a monster. So yeah. we talked about the interior offensive line for the Ravens. They're going to have their hands full against him. And the Seahawks are just a good team. They're one of the best teams in the league. So should be a really good game here at MT Bank Stadium. The Ravens are hopeful they could even get some players back on the field from injuries. That was yeah. the other news out of Monday's press conference from John Harbaugh. Tyus Bowser maybe not too far away. Uh, you know, Malik Ham is on his way back. Pepe Williams on his way back. So we'll see about that. But Anyway, you slice it. This is a big game coming up against the Seahawks. So this is, I mean, this is. It's nice to have this three game stretch at home. I mean, yep. three home games in twelve Settling. days, <sighs> which is which is wild. You yeah. know, three home games in twelve days, and they're all against really good teams. You yep. know, you Seattle, Cleveland, and then Cincinnati in prime time. So bank is going to be rocking. It is going to be rocking, and I I think that like. I, I like this matchup. Uh, we're going to talk more about it later in the week, but um, it's a challenging matchup, but I, I like the Ravens' um, chances in this game. I like their ability to to 
you know, basically be able to uh, hold up well against the Seattle team. I think that it's just favorable for the Ravens. So we'll talk more about that later in the week, but I'm excited already. For sure. Make sure you email us at thelounge at ravens.nfl.net. Make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and review. We'll be back later this week with Mark Andrews. Talk about dogs. Mm. Mark Andrews. It's only a matter of time before he's the dog of the week. Has he not been yet? Don't think so. Okay, the two touchdown game wasn't a he wasn't the dog then. No, we gave it to Monkin. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, we gave it to Monk. So. Up in the booth. Yeah, up the, <laughs> the dog in the booth, chained up up there. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you later this week. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 